Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR with Dustin Rivenbark. Now, SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. I want to kind of tell you the behind the scenes, sort of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our hardships, our tribulations, our issues in such a way that we can begin to unpack God's plan and purpose for our lives. But you may be listening and say, but Dustin, why do I need to listen to Scar? And I say we all have troubles. We all have hardships. We all have issues, things that can begin to accumulate and even change the trajectory of our lives. So, With that being said, that's exactly why you need to be listening to SCAR because it's a safe place that we can come together and share our wins, our losses, and our wisdom on overcoming hardships and turning tragedy into triumph. Now, without further ado, I want to welcome all of um, our listeners as well as my new friend, Miss Colleen Murphy, to the show. Please say hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. All right, Miss Colleen. So we are super excited to have um, to have you on today. And Colleen Mur- Murphy is the mother of Lauren Murphy, and she has quite the story to tell. Um, before we get too far along, uh, Miss Colleen, just tell us tell us a little bit about you and your journey and and your family story. So um, my husband Dave and I have been married almost 31 years. Uh, we have seven children. We have six daughters and one very spoiled son. Wow. Um, and uh, we um, have always been a family, you know, with kind of faith in the center. Um, and all of our kids have been, you know, really good, high-achieving kids, you know, normal teenager stuff, but nothing, nothing major. Um, and then, you know, the... The story I'm going to tell them is mainly about my daughter, Lauren, who is the second oldest, but she was on a business trip to Los Angeles and was hit by a car and tragically um, injured, uh, critically injured. So that's that's pretty much what the story is about, but it kind of intertwines with, you know, the whole family and and the effect of, you know, a critical injury, critical brain injury on the whole family. So give me a little bit of detail about how, about how the accident occurred, where you were, and what was transpiring kind of during that time within the family. Sure. Okay. So Lauren um, lived in Manhattan at the time. She, she had received her MBA and took off to New York with, you know, nothing but a big dream and two suitcases. And this for me, she had been there for about a year and a half at the time of the accident. And I was just cutting out of work a little bit early, typical Friday afternoon. I was heading to my daughter Kelsey's high school soccer game. And I received a call and on my phone it said private number. You know, normally most people ignore those. And yeah. for whatever, whatever reason, I answered it. And the detective said to me, how are you related to Lauren Murphy? Now, my first thought was, oh, God, what did she do? Yeah, <laughs> right. but still that was my first thought and then he went on to tell me that she had been involved in an accident and you know my next thought is well why isn't she calling me and as the conversation unfolded I was realizing that we were dealing with a little more than a a broken leg so he gave me a number of a hospital social worker to call that was my next phone call Um, and, and while I was talking to the detective I don't know why but I asked him if she had head trauma and 
he said no, that he did not have head trauma, but he thought she had some internal injuries. So the next call was the social worker, and again I asked, and you know, the detective had already told me that she did not, so I guess it's just kind of mother's intuition. And I asked if she had head trauma, and she said, I'm sorry, but she has severe head trauma. And the next question, you know, I didn't want to ask it, but I knew I had to. You know, we live in St. Louis, so, you know, she's in L.A. I knew I had, you know, it's not. I was not going to be able to get to her. Right. And I asked her if she was going to make it, and there was a very long pause. And then she said, if you're asking me if you need to come, the answer is yes. Mm, now what, let me ask you, let me hold you right there. In in that moment, you're out at the soccer field at this time, correct? Actually, the highway. I hadn't even made it to the soccer field. Okay, you yet. hadn't even made it to the soccer field. So you were in your car? Yes. And so you receive that, you're talking to them, you ask that question, you get that kind of answer. I'm, what goes through your body at that time? What 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 are you thinking in that exact moment, or are you thinking? You know, I, I think it was just pure terror, if I could, you know, give any type of description. And I worked in an office job, but I worked in the hospitals with severely injured patients, so I knew what I was dealing with. Yeah. You know, where my husband, I don't think he had any clue what he was going to be walking into. I had seen people with head injuries before, and I knew, and I think that's why I asked if she had a head injury, because I know that's, you know, one of the most severe things that can happen. Um, And, you know, I really wasn't thinking much, and I knew, you know, I had a few people I need to call, key people, I couldn't let everybody know. Yes. Um, You know, so I knew that, you know, I kind of went into survival mode after that. Like, I need to get a hold of the right people. And just get home. Okay, so once you once you got home, uh, tell us a little bit about about Lauren. Um, does she did she have her own family at the time? Is she single? What's going on there? Yeah, no, she was single. She had a roommate, um, and her and her roommate super close, super crazy girls. They had and actually they had a blog that was really popular called Life of the Lucys. Okay, and when they moved to New York, they kind of blogged about it, so they had quite a following. Uh huh. So. One or, once our accident hit, it really, like, the whole thing spread like wildfire. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we had visits from Taylor Swift and um, members of NSYNC sent us shout-out videos. It, w- it was kind of insane. That... But she lived a really fast-paced, um, fun life. She was kind of, I mean, she was a real go-getter. Um, she'd never met a stranger, really good at networking, and, you know, always knew what she wanted and how to get it. So in that moment, you're you're faced with, okay, what next? Walk me through. Walk me through the next few days because she's in Manhattan. She was in L.A. at the time of the uh, accident. Uh, okay. She lived in Man- accident she, was in L.A. Sorry. Okay, the accident was in L.A. All right. Okay. So, um, w- walk me through the next couple of days. Sure. So by the time we arrived in Los Angeles, it was um, my my husband and myself, my mom and my best friend. Um, you know, the first plane we could get out of Lambert Airport in St. Louis, we didn't arrive until um, midnight L.A. time, which is 2 in the morning, St. Louis time. So I'm still in my work clothes. I didn't even, you know, I had just a little bit of time to pack a bag, but my mind was racing so much, I couldn't even figure out even how to pack a suitcase. And at that wow. point, I didn't know if she'd be alive if I got there, how long I was going to be there, anything. I, You know, later when I opened the suitcase, it was almost comical because nothing matched nothing made sense but you know we arrived I'm still in my work clothes um you know when we walked into that room the first time 
it was tough, you know, and as we actually walked down the hall, leading up to her room, it was almost like I was in quicksand, and the yeah. whole unit was, you know, all eyes on us, yeah. because they knew we were, she was a Jane Doe for several hours, so the fact that they were even able to figure out who she was, um, so anyway, so we walked in, you know, they kind of gave us, you know, the rundown of what we were dealing with, she was unrecognizable, um, everything was swollen, um, my husband really, really struggled. I thought he was going to pass out because, again, I don't think he had any idea what yeah. to expect. Um, you know, and I think up until that point, you know, I knew once I crossed the threshold of that ICU room, it was real. You know, I was at that point thinking this is kind of like an alternate reality. This is a part of a world that I'm really not in. You know, it was still kind of like wake me up from this nightmare. And I knew once I walked into that room. I couldn't hide from it, and I was going to have to, you know, face it. You know, so, I, go ahead. You know, as a mom, you just go into survival mode. You know, like it's kind of like you're shell shocked. But what's next? What do I need to do? How do we need to help her out of this? You know, that's first of all, um, I, I commend you for having that mentality. What do we need to do? How do we get her out of this? I remember when my mom was in um, ICU um, when I, I lost her to to. A drug overdose. I, I remember walking. I remember going through those doors, and I can't really describe it. Like, and this is a total. I couldn't imagine my grown daughter, you know, uh, who I had spent my 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 life raising, and and so we, there's almost this shrinking feeling that happens. It's like something mm-hmm. physical that happens inside of you, and so. When you when you see that, and then and then to have that feeling, okay, what do we need to do? Um, did that was that feeling like? Um, did that go into effect right away? Was it like looking at the doctors? Okay, what's next? Or was it like? Did it take you a little while to just kind of get your feet under you? I think it, yeah, I think it definitely took a while because I think, you know, we had that shell-shocked look for quite a while because it was a lot to process and to see everything she was hooked up to. And, you know, she still had the collar on her neck because they still hadn't ruled out spinal cord injuries. Yeah. You know, there was just, there was so much to to take in, the sights, the sounds, the smells, all of that. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it probably was, you know, a few days before I kind of went into survival mode, like what's next? I yeah. knew that I had to take that positive belief where my husband was kind of more negative. Um, and we're, we're just always a good balance. You know, there was so much there that was negative. It was hard not to. So I want to, I want to get, you know, a little bit personal real quick. Um, we, we asked, or you said, you know, kind of faith was at the center of your family, you kind of kept faith there. Uh, what was your, what was your reaction emotionally as well as spiritually during that moment? Was there any anger towards God? Was there even thought of of God, or was it all just like, like I'm just, I'm just curious as to a, a lot of times. Um, well, I'm just curious to hear your take on that during that moment. Sure. So I think, you know, for me, um, you know, obviously we have seven kids, we, we're, we're Catholic, so it's that whole Catholic guilt thing. And I think my first thought was, 
what did I do wrong to be punished? Ah, mm. I wasn't, you know, I felt like, you know, we did our best to raise our kids to know God, to love Jesus. You know, we sent our kids to Catholic schools even when we couldn't afford it, but I still didn't do something right. And that's what made that. And and our God doesn't work that way. And I know that, you know, I know that that's not how God works. But in that moment, you know, and again, that's mother's guilt too. Yeah. It's always, we always bring it back to ourselves. I felt like God's punishing me because I didn't, I, I, I didn't do something right. So that's where I was at first. But then I also, you know, my, my oldest daughter had been in contact with Lauren's boss who was constantly calling, seeing what could we do. And I left the house without my rosary and I just asked, can you get a rosary to the hospital for me? Yeah. And, and got there, it was waiting for me, which was, which was really nice, which was my anchor Beautiful. Um, for, you know, the days that, that followed and months and years actually. But, but yeah, that was my first thought. I was never angry with God or the driver. Yeah. Uh, I think it was always, you know, I think it was just more, you know, what did I do to deserve this type of thing? So maybe there was a little anger in that. Yeah, yeah. Anger, more more anger towards just the situation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but I also, like, without faith, I could have never got through that. You may or may not be able or, or want to speak about this, so I can edit it out if we need to. Is there any um, relationship with the driver? Did you... Did y'all ever meet? Was there ever a, a inter, a, an exchange? Sure, yes, there actually was. Um, and so the policeman, the, the first police woman actually that was on scene came to the hospital to talk to us, and she said that the driver wanted to get in touch with us but didn't know if that was something that, you know, we were open to. Yes. And, you know, the, the detective had told me that when Lauren crossed the street, the light was flashing, so she still had the right of way but it, she was running out of time. And there was a car that was up in the turning lane, a box truck that was pushed up too far. So Lauren was like looking around the truck to get around this truck and wasn't looking over her right shoulder. So mm. when the light turned, the car came at her. So he didn't see her, she didn't see him. It was a complete accident. Yeah. So I never once felt like it was, you know, the driver's fault. And even like my husband at one point said, what if he was texting, whatever? And I'm like, I don't care. And I'm like, have you ever done that? Have you ever yeah. been inattentive while driving? Doesn't matter. This was an accident. So I never, my mind just never went there. Um, so anyway, so the policeman asked if, if he could reach out to us. And I said, yeah, that would be fine. And I, I believe it was the next day he came to the hospital and also a couple of witnesses. It seemed like there was like three different groups of people that showed up within a 15 minute time frame, which was yeah. odd. Um, but yeah, he came and he said, you know, first thing he said to me was, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I, yeah. first thing and was, you have nothing to be sorry for. It was an accident. He stuck out his hand for a handshake and I, I went in for a hug and said, you know, there's nothing, you know, we didn't invite him back to see Lauren. I mean, Lauren was in such bad shape. I don't yeah. think that would have made feel any better. Yeah. Uh, we stayed in the waiting room and talked. My husband stayed there and I went back to the ICU room and he sent a card, um, maybe like six months later, just to let us know he was still praying for us, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I, I prayed for him because I feel like that's, that's hard. Not, yeah. That's something that's really, really tough on him. On the flip side of that, I really don't want a relationship with him either. Cause I felt like I'm so damaged right now. I can't put you back together. Yes. You're going to have somebody else for that. So we don't really have a relationship with him, but I have no ill feelings towards him. And I, I think of him often and think of, you know, what it's, 
how it's affected him because I'm sure it's affected him. Yeah, and I'm sure he thinks of you guys often too. And I also am sure that he is very thankful that you had the wisdom or the or the tenacity to like greet him in such a way. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, Colleen. Like, like saying, you know, I, I have I have no problems with you, but 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 we're dealing with this as well. And so so it's like it's like there. There's no need for, you know, a big, well-rounded relationship because you have to take care of your family. And he's got to find healing within himself with this as well. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Now, moving out of there, at what point, How about how long of a span was it where you and your family kind of realized, wait a minute, we may have some hope here. All right, and and take me take me kind of through that, like bring me into the light a little bit. How long of a span was that? It was several weeks. So she was in a coma for, I guess, a little under two weeks. But when she woke up from the coma, it's not like the movies. She's not waking up asking for a cheeseburger. You know, it was as soon as she opened her eyes, which is what we had been praying for. I would be like, God, forgive me, but please close your eyes. I mean, I couldn't stand to see her that way because it yes. was like the lights were on, but nobody was home. Yes. You know, and she was basically just existing. I never knew you could look so blank. Mm. And it was it was really tough. And she could not respond to any of, any of the... The only thing she could respond to was pain. And they would pinch her, like, by her armpits and, like, in the fatty part. And she would respond, but it was in an abnormal, what they call an abnormal posture, which is like a sign of severe brain damage. Okay. So all signs for several weeks kind of pointed to her existing. You know, she failed every single neuro test they gave her. She couldn't follow light. She couldn't, um, she couldn't do anything on command. She couldn't move her arms and legs. They used to have her, her hands tied to the bed, afraid she would take out her trach or her feeding tube, any of that stuff. And at one point, they just went and untied the restraints, which was just a sad day for me. It wasn't because she was, it was because she was incapable of pulling out her restraints. Her brain was so severely damaged that she couldn't even move her arms if she wanted to. Colleen, were you were you losing hope during this? You know, no. And it's no? funny because I, I always, you know, God was in that ICU room. Yeah. And for whatever reason, as bad as it was, I knew in my heart that we were going to be okay. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of resilience. That's a lot of strength that that's coming from somewhere. And, you yeah. you know, I, I say to God be the glory in that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I read back now, we had a carrying bridge, and I read back our old posts, and I laugh out loud when I read it. I thought, oh, my God, this was terrible. How did I not realize this? Yeah. But I think, you know, something in me just wouldn't let myself believe it. But there was a time, and it was probably about... Four, three or four weeks after her accident and the doctors had gave us you know some different things that we could try with her and they said try putting like a washcloth over her face and see if she removes it you know and things like that and there was one day where we did that we put a washcloth over her face and she brought her hand up and it was I mean so slow motion but she pulled the washcloth off of her face and we did it again wow. just to make sure it was a fluke and she did it again and then my daughter held like her wrist up and she had her hand kind of like, um, like in a fist. Yeah. And then, you know, like high five. And then Lauren opened her hand like for a high five. Like she couldn't give the high five, but she just went from a 
up, you know, her palm. Wow. And, and we were cheering so loud in the ICU room, I think they could hear us. I was fisting to say, Lauren, or, or, or Colleen, were y'all losing your minds? Yes. We were. Because it was something, you know, so small. And it was, you know, to the outside world, she looked terrible. I mean, she looked terrible. But to me, it was the sign I needed that she's in there. Yes. She's not just existing. She is in there fighting. Yes. And, and so about how long was it after that, um that you guys really started seeing some, I guess, some upward movement, some 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 positive signs. Okay, so I see you five weeks, and then she was moved to the regular floor. She was at Cedar sinai Hospital in, in Beverly Hills. And once she got to the regular floor, it was kind of tough because we were not, you know, when you're in the ICU, you're spoiled. You know, they, they give you, you know, round-the-clock care. Round-the-clock, yeah. So... It was tough, but it was, you know, and, and those days were long. You know, I would try to spend, you know, 12 hours just with small talk. One-sided conversation is really, really tough after, yeah. you know, so many days of this. You know, you're saying the same things over and over again. And, um, we had the TV on. One of my, my teenagers was there visiting, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians was on. And Lauren, like, put her finger up in the air, kind of like people do, like, when they have an idea. Uh-huh. And you could tell she recognized something, and it was Chris Jenner. And ah. me and my daughter dying laughing. I'm like, I thought I would be the first person she recognized. That is <laughs> hilarious. Chris Jenner. So I thought, <laughs> you know what? Pro- progress. I don't care. Progress, <laughs> man. She knows who Chris Jenner is. Yes. So, <laughs> so little signs like that, that, you know, okay, she's in complete control. Um, you know, we had to use those little signs to kind of be our kryptonite to keep going forward. I love that. I love that. And so uh, I'm glad y'all were starting to see some uh, positive movement there. Now, um, tell us like a little bit before, uh, about how long before the doctors were like, okay, we we don't know what's next, but but man, we really have, we, we really have some, some hope here. So when we left Cedar sinai we left by a private medical jet, and her brain surgeon, you know, came to see us before we left, and we got, obviously, really, really close to him, and he told us that when she came in, you know, he said, had she been older, they may not have done the, the surgery to save her life, and she ended up with three, she had four brain surgeries total, but she had three while she was at Cedars, and he said, you know, you make these decisions on these surgeries and whether or not you should do it and what's the quality of life if you do this life-saving surgery because she had a large section of her brain removed um, that was so damaged in the original um, brain surgery. And he had tears in his eyes and he said, I'm so glad I made the right call. Mm. Wow. So, um, you know, once she got to, she went from there, my private medical jet, to the Rehab Institute of Chicago. There's three, the top three brain injury, it's Craig in Denver, Shepard in Atlanta, and RIC in Chicago, which I think it's now called the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Uh-huh. Shirley's parents had more money than Lauren, otherwise it would be the Lauren Murphy Ability Lab. Right, right. But it was RIC at the time, and we were, again, very, very fortunate. We were accepted into, you know, one of the top three. And as soon as she got there, um, that was when things started moving quickly. And, you know, I knew once she got to RIC, they weren't going to let her lay in bed. No. You know, they they got her up and moving 
right away. Um, her first PT session, she couldn't even hold her head up yet, but she took a step. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, she's got this. And even her physical therapist said, I didn't expect that to happen. And I'm like, you don't underestimate my kid. No, I love it. I love it. And so speaking of that, you actually, you have, all right, since then, Lauren has made a major, um, a major comeback. And I want to hear some about that. And you've kind of had a, a chance to breathe, see what all transpired, what all's going down. And you have written a book titled Murphy's Don't Quit. All right. Tell me a little bit about that and the inspiration there and sure. why you felt like this book needed to be written. Sure. So Murphy's Don't Quit is a phrase that my husband started way back when, when the kids were little. And it was, you know, something as simple as, you know, I don't want to go to softball practice tonight. It was, nope, Murphy's Don't Quit. You are going to go. You know, you signed up. You don't have to sign up next session, but you signed up for this. You finished. Murphy's Don't Quit Anything. So right. that was kind of always you know, the thing that he always used with the kids with everything in life. So when the accident happened, that kind of became our mantra more so, you know, Murphy's don't quit. We're going to get through this. So the book for me, you know, when, when Lauren had her accident, again, like I mentioned, I had, you know, 12, 14 hour days where I was basically talking to the wall and I tried to get my hands on any type of brain injury TBI book that I could. I wanted to learn as much as I could and just immerse myself in everything brain injury. And what I found when I was, reading these books was either they were written like a medical journal and I didn't understand a word of it or it was nothing was as severe as Lawrence yeah. and or it like skipped through the parts and it wasn't you know it, brain injury is tough you know yeah. it's not glamorous and you know or it only would have the good things you know and sometimes you know even with social media you tend to do that you put the good things out there yes just like when you send out your family Christmas card you know everyone looks like they're smiling and happy everyone loves everybody but I don't know about your family, but we do our family Christmas card. Everybody's ready to kill each other by the time the photo shoot's over. Yeah. But yet we set the smiling, perfect family Looks picture. perfect. Yes. So I really wanted the book to show, you know, all of it. You know, the, you know, the main message is hope. But, but there's a lot of really hard stuff in there. Um, I kind of call it a gift, but I have a very inappropriate sense of humor. So that's sprinkled throughout. Right. So that really helps kind of diffuse some of the, you know, heartbreaking subject matter. Because there are a lot of things with brain injury. If you look at it in the right angle, there's a lot of funny stuff too. You know, it, it can be kind of crazy. Yeah. So um, for me, yeah, go ahead. Within the walls of um, of the book, what what is, what is your message? What is the main message of Murphy's Don't Quit? Never give up. Yeah. Um, no matter what life throws at you, um, things are going to get better you know, give it some time. And, you know, it's just, you know, so many people tell you, you can't do something. And, you know, I believe in the power of God, the power of prayer and the power of the human spirit. You know, it's just, you know, if there's a will, there's a way you can find a way around. It may not be tomorrow and it may not be next year, but you know, six months from now, two years from now, you look back and see where you were and you'll be, you know, surprised at how far you've come. And just the grit and determination, you know, and all of that is, is universal. You don't have to have, you know, a tragic thing happen to you um, to learn the lessons that this book gives. And there are a lot of, you know, lessons. And it's not so much lessons that things that I've done, but it's lessons of things that people did for us. 
that really held us up and kept us going. And, you know, the kindness of others is, you know, so many, so I have so many stories of things that people did for us that just completely blew me away. And these weren't people in my inner circle. You know, these were people that were friends of friends or somebody that just heard about the story and, and wanted to reach out and really, really, um, unbelievable to see how kind people can be you know that's a beautiful um a beautiful thing right there it's it's wild at how uh well look at 9-11 like it's it's Mm -hmm. wild at how a hardship or a tragedy can unite people and you you know in in a way that we should be united all the time but but yeah that's i i love humanity when humanity is at its best and and during those moments is when people want to surround uh, you. Now, now I know, like, we, we talked about all of the times during the hospital, and we talked about uh, going through rehab and stuff like that. Um, how were you, uh, how were you holding up um, when you were not in the ICU or you were not in front of her. There, 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 there was hope, but you didn't know what it was going to look like in the future. How were you in the dark times when you were by yourself? Huh. Very good question. So, you know, obviously because I have seven kids, I never really had a lot of downtime or alone time. Um, but when we were in Chicago, I was with Lauren. So my husband, you know, had to kind of take over Mr. Mom duties. And, you know, I would... I had an apartment in Chicago, and it was an it was a mile walk, and that was my my time to clear my head to get my head right in the morning. I had a, a list of religious songs I would listen to on the way there every morning to get myself in the right mindset to get get there because I would follow her for all of her therapies, and I was kind of taking over as much as I could. I I changed all of her diapers, I did her showers, I did as much self care as I could because I knew this was going to be my job going forward. Um, and then on the way home, same playlist and, you know, going home was tough and, and there were on days where she did something really well, sometimes I would skip, you know, but on a lot of the days it was really, really, really tough. And, you know, I was in downtown Chicago, we would pass all these restaurants with, you know, outside dining and I would watch these couples having dinners and drinking wine and laughing. And, you know, it was really hard for me not to just break down in tears every night on my way home because my husband was four hours away and I was in this new situation where you know I didn't ask for it but here I was dealing with it and I you know when I got into my you know quiet apartment those were the times where I would just you know just cry out in mental anguish to God and I've never been one that someone that's real comfortable with praying out loud mm-hmm. but I would just literally you know scream my prayers in anguish yeah. you know like yeah help fix her show yeah. me the way to fix her and you know those were those were tough days was you know the time we were in Chicago was probably the hardest because that was really when we were in the rehab process you know I was probably still shell-shocked in in Los Angeles but it was tough and it was it was tough to keep the faith um but you know we just kept moving forward and staying positive is all we could do but those evenings were tough and that was where I just kind of allowed myself to you know let go and try to you know offer it up um and just hope somebody was listening what um as far as being a mom of six daughters and one son was there any motherly guilt or anything of 
I can't give my my other daughters full attention or what they need because or my son um, because I'm here or was it just it was just solely focused like like I just got to get Lauren okay yeah no and I there was a lot of guilt um, and I think too some of that guilt was processed later um, when I realized you know all the things that I missed you know I missed the first day of school pictures for three years in a row because not only after she went to the rehab thing she went on two years later to a transitional living facility in Omaha Nebraska for seven months and I had an apartment nearby. So, I mean, I was away from my kids. I counted it off and it was 404 days in a three year period. Wow. Lived out of state. And you know, my son happened to notice 404 is the error message you get when pages and a page isn't found on the internet. He's like, that's fine. But it's just, um, you know, and they get it and they know I would have done it for them. But it's still hard, and it's it's still, you know, I, I don't get those days back. You know, my kids only have so many homecoming dances that I'm not there for and sure. so many first school. But, but in the big picture, you know, they I had so many other people that were looking out for them, and I have a fabulous husband, you know, that is has always been close with his kids, but, you know, now he knows how to go school supply shopping. So yeah, now yeah. how to look up grades online, you know, yeah, and now yeah. that's how to do carpools. So. Yeah. I mean, it was tough, and, you know, I think moms feel guilty for everything, but, you know, that's part of, that's part of the journey that is probably the hardest for me to process, is that I missed so much with my other kids, because that's not the kind of mom I was, you know, I was, I was always the room mom, and the girls got leader, and, you know, the one that was always involved, and suddenly, I couldn't be anymore. Well, and that's why I asked that, because since, I sensed that through the conversations that we've had, and I, you know, I, I felt that way, and I wanted to ask that strategically because there may be somebody listening out there that's going through a hardship, a trial, uh, a tragedy, or something, maybe not to this extent, maybe something completely different, but they could be feeling neglect, or they could be feeling like they are neglecting someone else, and I just wanted them to know, first of all, um, they're not alone. Uh, and and know that these are normal feelings, um, and y- you know there does come a time though where I ha- look I I just I have to be with them I have to get them okay, and 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 it's and it's wonderful when you have other people who could fill those shoes like your husband like great neighbors friends stuff like that. Yeah, and it was important for me that you know their life didn't change much they're still able to go to all their soccer games and their soccer practices and all the other things so they can still have you know a normal childhood and you know years later my youngest who was 11 at the time of the accident she um she went to catholic school so she had to do you know every year they do a retreat a religious retreat and she wrote me the nicest letter um and in there it said i know you always talk about how you hated that you left me but i respect you more Wow. For that, you know, and it was just a beautiful letter on, you know, how much she loved and admired me for that because it just showed my love for all of them, which was, you know, I needed to, I needed to hear that. It yeah. was, you know, I still feel guilty about it, but still, it's nice to see that they get it. How how did um? Well, tell us about Lauren now. Let's go there. Tell us about Lauren now. So Lauren is eight years out. And she's doing fabulous. You know, we are doing um, public speaking, and we do it together. Isn't that um, amazing? Yeah. 
she is so the the brain surgery that she had they removed the language portion of her brain which is her left temporal lobe and all of the the things that she's able to do with speaking is is based on neuroplasticity and rewiring of the brain and she has something called aphasia which a lot of people have not heard of but it's really common in people that have had strokes it's caused by injury to the brain and it is a language disorder that it and they, it keeps her from being able to understand or process language. And um, now she's very conversational, but sometimes she can't understand a question and she'll fake it. And so sometimes when you talk to her, you're kind of like, what? What is she talking about? Or, yeah. you know, I ask her to get me my car keys and she'll bring me a stick of butter. Gotcha. Because she, it processes the wrong way. But, um, but she does really, really well. Um, she's, you know, so social, so social. And it's like when we we do a speaking engagement, she can light up that room and she has that that whole room in the palm of her hand in about 15 seconds. How's her speech? Her speech, like if you were talking to her, you wouldn't know anything was wrong until, you know, probably a couple minutes down the road. Yeah, yeah. Not really make sense or she'd start repeating herself. But her voice sounds the same as what it sounded like before, which is nice. The inflection's maybe a little bit different, but I think more of that is not so much the inflection, but maybe she has less, less confidence than she did before yeah. the accident. But, um, you know, she she does really, really well. And if she needs something, you know, I can, you know, she can totally tell me I want to go out to eat. I want to go to whatever restaurant where it probably took five or six years before she could even you know, order her own food, much less tell me where she wants to go. Wow, you know, I'm just, I, my heart is is you you know just overloaded right now with with all the feels from just all of the tenacity, all of the hope, all of the perseverance. I don't even know the words to put to that. That's such a long journey, a long process of overcoming, and all of that, and. That's basically um, in your book, uh, Murphy's Don't Quit. It is the five keys to unlocking hope, correct? Yes, when life seems hopeless. When life seems hopeless. And and, uh, what a better person, what a better family to be involved in writing this who's actually walked through something like that. Give us um, just a brief rundown of your... um, five keys for unlocking hope definitely don't want to give the book away but why should somebody going through a hardship what is it that 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 you're hoping that they get out of it give us a brief rundown of the of the five keys sure so first one is show up you know for everybody the first thing you gotta do is show up you know we speak to a lot of schools i say you know you can't do all school unless you at least walk through the door so that's everyone's first thing show up second one is find your cheerleader you know we all need somebody who do we call when life is is great who do we call when life is tough everybody wants to be your cheerleader when you're in the spotlight it's hard finding a cheerleader when when you're down in the dumps Amen. the third thing is kindness is free you know what a gift it is in all of us that we can brighten somebody's day by a simple text hey i was thinking about you today I woke up and you were on my mind hope you have a great day doesn't have to cost any money just do something to let somebody know that they're loved and you're thinking of them the third thing is um the fourth thing is work hard you know all of us know you know we can't get ahead if we don't put the work in and the fifth thing is never give up you know that is 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 definitely just never ever ever give up despite what anyone tells you you can or can't do i love that 
I love that. And so, um, you, you know, when somebody closes that that book, Murphy's Don't Quit, um, for the very last time, and they put it up on their bookshelf, or they hand it off to someone else, when they close that book for the final time and turn away from it, what do you hope that reader has taken away from that book, if nothing else? I can do anything I put my mind to. I love that. You know, you know I think that is the, probably the biggest message that kind of like, if she can go through all that, there's nothing I can't do. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, and sometimes even as our mother, I need to remind myself of that, you know, because sometimes when it's the closest to you, you have to take that back to look at it um, objectively. Because, you know, when you're in the thick of it, we're always wanting more, which is, you know, why she's doing better, because she's always striving to do more, because obviously she's still got a long ways to go as far as recovery. Um, But, you know, it is, it's important for me to also back and see what, what a gift it is that I have in, in my daughter and how she's inspiring other people. And it really is, it's really pretty cool to see the impact she has on others. You know, and that's and that's so beautiful. And I, I just want to, you, you know, commend you, commend her. But I also want to commend um, uh, the, the 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 siblings, um, your husband, um, all of those who surrounded you, the ones who made sure they got to all their practices, uh, uh, all of these different like like it takes a village. It truly oh, yeah. takes a village. So. Yeah. Yes, we're proud of of Lauren, and and this is amazing. But there were so many people who that impacted, and they rose to the occasion. Oh yes, definitely. You know, definitely, it is. Um, I couldn't have done what I did on a day to day basis if it wasn't for the kindness of others. And yeah. one real quick story that I want to share with you sure. that somebody did really blew me away. Um, this was a lady that I did not know. And, you know, sometimes I would come home from RIC and on my doorstep there would be packages. And this particular package was a card from this woman that was a friend of a friend. And she didn't know me, but she found out, you know, all my kids' ages. And she took her adult child and they went and shopped for each one of my kids to all the trendy stores and got them really nice gifts. Wow. So that they came to visit, I would have a gift to give my kids. And it's like that mom knew enough to know I didn't need anything for myself. She could have easily sent me a gift or a Starbucks gift card. Yeah. But she knew, you know, without even knowing me, she knew I would much rather have a gift to give my children when they came and visited. And I just thought, you know, how kind was that? You know, that was somebody that I, and it wasn't so much the gift, but I knew that I was on her mind and in her heart. Colleen, that's a mother. That's a mother's instinct right there. That is a mother knowing a mother. And... Uh, or, or even if she doesn't have kids, she obviously has something mother nature about her because yeah. oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes, um, the siblings go, ne- I don't, yeah. I don't like using that word neglected. No, I, it's no. not neglected. It's, they go, yeah, yeah they, 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 they're almost, they're not the focus and you, you know, and it's not intentional. It's just the, it's just the, the right. truth. And um, I, I'm so glad she did that and, and that you guys uh, were able to come as far as you have. And what an honor it's been for me to have you, you on this podcast and, and talking about 
uh, your book. Now, right now, if I'm not mistaken, this book is not out yet, is it? No. The okay. date is October 5th, which is Lauren's birthday. October and, 5th. And, uh, yeah, it'll be out October 5th. The, the e-book will be out July 6th. Okay, but they can pre-order now. So, so give us, um, tell me a little bit about how maybe some listeners could contact you or, or pre-order this book. How can they find out more about you? Perfect. So you can pre-order on Amazon. You just go put Murphy's Don't Quit in there. It will show up. It's also on Barnes & Noble, Books, A Million, anywhere books are sold, really. Um, it's already loaded on there. But to follow us on social media, um, we have a pretty big following on Facebook, which is probably where we, we update the most, is Lauren Murphy Recovery Page. And that's where you can find her on Facebook. But on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, it's at Murphy's Don't Quit. And then our website is murphysdon'tquit.com. So if anybody's interested in having Lauren or I come speak, the best way to reach us is through our website. Um, and we will probably update some of the, the book launch things, too, on our website. So if you sign up to follow us, you know, just put in the um, – there's a place to put your email address and stuff to follow on our website. And that, that way you'll ensure you get the most up-to-date on – book launch stuff i'd probably do some book giveaways and things like that closer to launch but we do update that facebook page pretty often wonderful wonderful well thank you so much colleen for um your time again it's been an honor to have you on the show yeah thank you justin it was great talking to you if you will hold on for just one second as for our listeners we will see you in the next couple of days